Okay, I heard imagination ship, all right? <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, that's when that's when the guy likes the girl, but he's too scared to ask her out. Yeah, that's an imagination ship. I like that. Any other words? I'm learning. This is an education for me. This is wonderful. Edu- education ship, all right? Uh, I feel like we're I, th- I feel like we're getting derailed right now, but. Uh, Anyways, let's be honest, this is on our minds a lot in this stage of life. Most of the, like, just look around the room really quick. Just go ahead. Just look around the room. All right. Most of you will be planning a wedding sometime within the next five to ten years. All right. (laughs) It's just the reality, right? Like, if I owned any type of wedding planning business or any, like, type of service for weddings... I would want to, like, be in front of this crowd, right? Because this would be good clientele. Within the next five to ten years, more than likely, you are going to want or you're going to probably be married. So because this is on our minds, right, because relationships, literally we can't watch a TV show or turn on the radio without hearing something about relationships. That's why we talk about it in Chi Alpha, because we have one of our core convictions here in Chi Alpha, meaning one of the things that we believe very deeply is that there is a godly way to do everything. I'm going to say that again. There is a godly way to do everything, meaning that there is a way to uh, operate in every single institution, every single thing that life throws at us, There is a way to be reflective of the nature and character of God in that situation. Dating is not in the Bible, all right? We don't, like, open to, you know, John 4 and hear about Peter's date. Or, uh, you know, it's like, and then Thomas, you know, snuck a glance at so-and-so. You know, I mean, listen, it's kind of funny. Anybody watching The Chosen, all right? They've, like, intermingled dating into The Chosen, right? And, uh, and it's wonderful. It's like, whatever. I, I'm not mad about it, all right? But uh, they've, they've packed all this relationship stuff in there. And, uh, and I just am like, okay, that's wonderful. But the reality is, is that there's nowhere in the Bible does it, like, give you an instruction manual how to date. But the Bible literally is all about how to love people well and how to operate in healthy relationships and how to reflect the nature and character of Jesus Christ in every single one of your interactions. Our purpose here on earth as men and women of God is very simple. Anybody want to know God's plan for your life? I'm going to tell you right now. It is to give him glory in everything that you do. It's literally that simple. Now, what you do, you know, you can continue to freak out about that, whatever, right? But simply put, God's will for your life is to bring glory to him in everything you do. And so I really do believe this, that the Bible might not have a lot to say about dating in the way and the manner that we do it today, but it has a lot to say about how to bring glory to him in every single one of our relationships. The other reason we talk about it is because there's a lot of bad advice out there. If your dating advice is coming from Taylor Swift, you're probably unhealthy, all right? <laughs> I saw a YouTube video about, like, country songs in real life. <laughs> and it's this, like, girl... Uh, uh, that song about uh, I, I dug my keys into the side of his truck. And it's like this woman actually doing that. And this guy comes out and is like, I'm calling the police. You're going to go to jail. <laughs> he's like, then she gets arrested. <laughs> it's like, okay, there you go. Uh, like, but like, if that's kind of what our mentality is, if that's where the theology of dating is coming from, we probably have a problem. Can we just admit that? And maybe the Bible has a better way to conduct relationships. And so what I'm going to share with you today, I, I, so often 
What I'm going to share with you today gets written off as this is an old-fashioned pastor talk, right? Like, well, Steve, you're just an old-fashioned pastor guy. You're in your mid-30s. You're just this old washed-up fogey. You haven't been in the dating scene for a while now, right? It's like, well, actually, I took my date, on, my wife on a date on Tuesday, all right? So, yes, I am in the dating scene, all right? So back off, all right? This is not old-fashioned. This is just simply... The Bible teaching us how to love people well. That's really it. And so this is, this is the Bible teaching us how to kill selfishness. How many of you would like to be married to somebody who thinks about you before they think about themselves? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are like, no. I want a selfish guy. That's what the Bible teaches, right? The Bible teaches selfless love. And that's what the entire, that's what Jesus' entire ministry is all about. That is the gospel in essence, is selfless love. No greater love than, than a man has than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Or, insert here, no greater love than, than, than a wife has than to lay down her life for her husband. Or no greater love does a husband have than to lay down his life for his wife. And so conducting yourself in that sort of way and finding somebody who conducts themselves in that sort of way will set you yourself up for a lifetime of a lot of joy. My friends, many of you are going to make a decision in the next five to ten years about who you're going to marry it is the second most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. The first one is who's going, to, who you're going to follow, right? Whether you're going to follow Jesus or not. The second one is who you're going to marry. Nothing is going to have more influence over your life. You want to get this one right. Right? Okay. Are we on the same page here? Some of you are like, no, I'm scared. Uh, don't be scared. God will guide you into it. So... I, tonight, I, we're going we're gonna to break down uh, a few questions to ask before you start dating, and then some things like how to conduct yourself in a godly way while dating, okay? So there's kind of two parts to the message tonight. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. If you've been to a wedding before, you've probably heard this, Okay. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And my friends, I want to ask you, if you inserted the name of the person that you think is pretty hot. Could you, could this describe them, all right? I don't know why I said hot, all right? And I paused before I said hot, so it just made it weird. I'm really sorry. It's because I momentarily said, should I, I momentarily thought, should I say hot? I probably shouldn't say hot. And then I said hot, all right? All right. So let's just... I don't know. I don't know anybody. Anybody named Troy in here? It's an old name, all right? So if you really like the guy named Troy, that's like an old man's name, all right? But uh, Troy is patient. Troy is kind. Troy does not envy. He does not boast. He is not arrogant or rude, right? Like if you were to put somebody's name in there, can that describe the person that you're chasing? Does that describe you? So here are some questions to ask to assess if I'm glorifying God before I start dating. The first one is this, is do I understand Jesus' love for me? 1 John 4, chapter, 9, or chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Jesus is the definition of love. We could actually put Jesus' name in here. We could say Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. 
This is a description of the nature and character of the God that we serve. My friends, if we do not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus to the point where we are getting to know him better and better every single day, then we do not have a proper definition of love. How many of you, raise your hand if you had a crush in the second grade, third grade, or sometime in elementary, all right? All right, raise your hand if you ever told somebody that you had a crush on in elementary that you loved them. A couple of you, all right? Okay, so you went home to your parents and you said, I have a crush on so-and-so. I love them, all right? Did you know the definition of love when you were in third grade? Was that real love? (laughs) Yes, it was, Steve, and my heart's still broken. You didn't know Mary Beth, right? I don't know. I just threw her name in there. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, re- see, usually I pick neutral names, but Mary Beth is here. So is Mary Beth here tonight? Oh, good. So I can pick on her. All right, good. Just kidding. <laughs> don't, don't tell her. I didn't mean to you. I don't know why. It just popped in my head. All right. Okay. The point I'm trying to make is this, is that our definition of love needs to come from Jesus. Your third grade definition of love was not a proper definition of love. And somehow we get older, and Jesus' love is like infinite. Let's just say this was like a scale of Jesus' love, all right? And over here is like as much of an understanding of Jesus' love is, and the true definition of love is what we could ever find, all right? That's on that wall. Over here is no understanding of Jesus' love. A third grade understanding of Jesus' love, or like of love, the word love, is like right about like right here, right? And then we like grow up and we go to college and we become mature, right? And now I know what love is, right? Like because I'm old, I'm an adult, I'm independent, right? Comparatively, to the infinite love of Jesus, from our way we understand love when we are a college student, is about this much further from third grade love. I'm 34 years old, and if I didn't understand Jesus, the the what I my definition of love would maybe be this much closer. You getting the point? If we're camped out over here, our definition of love is based off of the theology of culture rather than on the theology of the Bible. And you will always settle for something that pales in comparison to the infinite glory that is available to you through Jesus Christ. You will be looking for something to fulfill you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. See, Jesus' love is real. It's not just chemicals. It's not just emotions. It's not just a feeling. It's unselfish, meaning that it puts other people's life before his own, even to the point of dying for somebody that hates him. That's how much Jesus loves us. It is unconditional Meaning regardless of how many times we stab him in the back, the moment we say, Jesus, I want you back, he takes us. That's the unconditional love of Jesus. And until we've understood that, we will be chasing something that is less, that that just, it it pales in comparison. It's the root of everything that we're going to talk about today. So we got to establish that. Do I understand Jesus' love for me? Because then I can answer the second question, which is, is my self-worth in Christ, or is it in the person I am pursuing? You see, if you are thinking that you're going to find your self-worth in a relationship, if you're here tonight and you have not, you have not really had a moment of singleness longer than just maybe several months since you got interested in, you know, you got interested in the members of the opposite sex when you went through puberty, all right? And since then, you haven't had more than a couple months of periods of singleness. You maybe have been looking for self-worth in a relationship. (laughs) 
My friends, let's face it, right? We are, there are gaps that we are all trying to fill with people, right? We feel better about appearance. We feel better about who we are when we have somebody standing next to us. And if self-worth is found in a relationship, it will, that relationship will always become an idol in our lives. Some identifiers is if your self-worth is found in a relationship is if you, uh, yeah, the, the whole, like, if I'm alone, I feel like a failure. If I'm single, I feel like a loser. Uh, if every time I get into a relationship, I disappear and all my friends wonder where I went. If uh, I'm in a relationship and I, and I start to become controlling, I ask questions like, who are you talking to? Who are you texting? Who are you direct messaging? Where are you? I'm going to put a tracker on your phone, right? All those things, right? Those are the results of finding self-worth. Are you okay with being single? And I know a lot of people who kind of need to do, they, they've done what I would call a relational factory reset. And what that is simply is they've just said, I'm going to commit to a period of singleness. And I know that all of this ugly insecurity is going to come up. And every time it does, I'm going to let Jesus deal with it. And it's a season of, call it a season of fasting, call it a season of rededication, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I call it a, a like a, re, yeah, a factory reset. You just kind of like, okay, where, where, what's off? What's going on in me? I'm just going to commit to, to a, a certain time period in which I'm just going to say no to relationships. Um, yeah. I'm going to skip that story. We've got to keep moving. Number The third question, instead of looking for the right one, am I working on becoming the right one? So often we have a list of qualities of things that we are looking for in a spouse. But do I have a list of qualities that I would like to give to my spouse? Aaron says it this way. Am I the person the one I'm looking for is looking for? Am I the person the one I'm looking for is looking for? We should make sure that the greatest gift we give your spouse is who we are as an individual, our character. And my friends, character takes a long time to develop and a lot of hard work. Fourth question, am I looking for a healthy person in a healthy place? The odds of finding a diamond in the rough are slim. Another way to say this, ladies, if he ain't in the kai, he ain't worth a try. I'm just kidding, all right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Esty's going to make stickers and have them available for purchase next week, all right? And the guy ain't worth the try, all right? Now, obviously, right, like, I, I'm not saying that this is the only place to find somebody, but it's a great place to find somebody. Uh, Aaron and I talk about relationships because, again, this is a season of life in which you're probably choosing somebody to spend the rest of your life with. Our record is, is uh, being invited to 23 weddings in a single year, all right? Yeah, not kidding. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that was back in North Dakota. There's just love everywhere, all right? It was wonderful. But we, we love it. We love it when people find healthy people in a healthy place. I love that Cy met Lyra at Chi Alpha, right? Like, that's cool, all right? What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, so, oh, did I make fun of you last week, too? Oh, my bad. All right, let's be, uh, let me pick on somebody else. Let's see. I, I, well, we better not go there. All right. I'm not sure if that one's official yet. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, there, there's been, what, what? I, I'm, I'm done. All right, I'm done. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. You're not going to get it out of me. All right. 
But for real, guys, like if like if where you're meeting a guy or a gal is on a hookup app, like you're probably, you know, like I don't know. Let's just be honest. Like, let's just be honest. Like, if if I was an ups, like a really like upstanding citizen who like really cared about everybody else's needs, I'm I probably don't have a hookup app on my phone, right? So like the the and, and I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you have a, a one of those apps on your phone. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not judging you for that or anything like that. I'm just saying that like like, like if if yeah, there's. Erin is so much better at this part, all right? She's so much nicer. She can say things, and everybody's like, wow, you're so nice. And she's like, she, she just she just said something really, like, heavy. And, and, and anyways, all right, so I wish she was here. But all right, I think you get the point. Am I looking for a healthy person in a healthy place? <laughs> Number five. And this is, we're, we're going we're gonna to go deep on this one, all right? Have I surrendered my sexuality to God? Have I surrendered my sexuality to God? And here's what I want to do is that uh, Aaron and I would like to both extend an invitation. If you're a young lady in here and you have more questions about what the Bible says about uh, sexuality and about God's plan for sex, if uh, Aaron would love to talk to you. If you're a young man and you would love to have a conversation about that, I would love to talk to you because we don't have time to get into it in full tonight, but what I can tell you is that the Bible is pretty simple, and that is that God actually, some some people are like, ugh, like, ugh, sex is evil in the church, and blah, blah, blah. No, God actually created sex. He invented it. It was his idea, all right? And the reason it's fun, and it's something that we enjoy, is because God made it as something to be enjoyed. And so this, in the same way that, like, you should probably uh, go to the, the, the person in order to, to maximize the, uh, the effects of a specific invention, you should probably talk to the inventor, right? This is, that's where we go. We go to Scripture. And we say, God, if you invented sex, this was your idea from the beginning, what does your word have to say about this? And one of the things God says about sex is that sex is designed to be enjoyed within the confines of a marriage relationship. Why does he say this? So that he can ruin all of your fun on Friday nights? No. Are you kidding me? That's not why he says this, right? Raise your hand if you know somebody who has been hurt by sex. Look around. Can we admit that the world does this wrong? Can we just admit that? Like, let's just be real about it, right? Like, it's okay. And, and I know that there's a ton of different backgrounds in here. Maybe you have a really colorful sexual past. Maybe you have a lot of pain in the area of sex. God, I believe, is going to really meet you tonight and bring some healing to you. And so this is not something I bring up to heap shame on top of you and to say, hey, stop doing it wrong. I'm saying rejoice in the fact that God wants to set and give you a new start, a fresh start tonight, and set you on a pathway to health. You see, the reason God, I believe this, this is the best way I've really determined to be able to describe this, is that God made marriage a covenant relationship. A covenant is like the deepest level of agreement that can happen between two people. In fact, when covenants were made in the Bible, a lot of times people would literally like, like cut themselves to the point of bleeding and then like shake hands. It was called a blood covenant. They would actually like share like a handshake of blood, okay? Like that was an agreement on a very deep level. It was meant to be something that would never break. And that's why when we get married, we say things like, until death do us part. Because marriage is designed to be a covenant that lasts forever until death happens. Okay, the problem is, is that marriage has been undermined. And marriage is more of like something that we do if it's convenient for us and we sever it if it's inconvenient for us. 
And so because marriage has been undermined and is no longer truly looked at by our society as a covenant, it has a trickle-down effect into our dating lives and everything else we, we do. You see, and covenant, what we have to understand about covenant is that covenant has two parts, commitment and connection. You see, commitment is essentially what we are agreeing upon. And then connection is the actual act of intimacy. In the same way that a blood covenant would mean I would come to Sai, I'd say, Sai, uh, we're going to be friends, all right? The commitment is friendship, all right? The connection would be a like a blood brother handshake, all right? That would be gross. We're not going to do that, all right? Some of you are like, I knew I shouldn't have come to Chi Alpha, right? <laughs> commitment and connection. You see, the commitment that we make in marriage is me saying, I am going to fully know you, and I'm going to fully love you. And I'm going to fully love you for the rest of your life. I'm, gonna, I'm going to stay with you in sickness or in health. If life sucks, I'm going to be here. If life is awesome, I'm going to be here. If we walk through stuff, I'm going to be here. If we're poor, I'm going to be here. If we're rich, I'm going to be here. If you have smelly breath in the morning, I'm going to be here. If I find out that you have the stinkiest bowels in the history of the world, I'm going to be here, right? All of your quirks, I'm going to be here. I'm going to fully know you, and I'm going to, I'm going to know you more and more every single day, and I'm going to continue to choose to love you. That's the commitment in marriage. And then God gives us this beautiful connection called sex. And you see, sex is so much more than just something physical. It is emotional, and it is spiritual. And this is why sex hurts people so much. Because, see, when commitment and connection get out of whack in a relationship, we get hurt. Let me give you an example. If you go on a couple dates with somebody and there's really no commitment yet, meaning that like, man, like, I don't know, like we're kind of together, we're kind of not, right? So there's really not a whole lot of commitment and I connect with you sexually. Now connection far outweighs the commitment so much that I end up getting hurt. You see, marriage is the highest form of commitment, and sex is the highest form of connection. And when they happen both simultaneously at the same time, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's why God said, I want this to happen in the confines of marriage, because outside of that, it's only going to cause pain and hurt. Okay. If you have more questions about that, you can let me know. Because I know that that's probably stirred up a lot of questions. Some of you are in here and you say, that sounds old-fashioned. I don't know about that, Steve. Um, when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, uh, the, the Corinthian society, the Corinthian culture, would have made our American culture blush. They were some of the most sexually promiscuous people that you would have ever come into contact with. Imagine walking down the street and, like, seeing, like, a temple that was literally designated just to have sex in it, right? Like, that's what, that's the type of thing, and that was very open and very public, right? And you could draw a lot of parallels to America in that way today, right? But... What, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that Paul writes and he says, hey, there's a better way to do this to the Corinthian church. It was way more abrasive to the Corinthian church than what I'm sharing with you is abrasive to our current culture. Does that make sense? So it's not like it's an old-fashioned thing. It's something that God says, no, this is correction that I want to bring to every culture and every society, regardless of how promiscuous that society has become in the area of sex. And that last question before I start dating is simply this. If I have hurt in my life, have I given God time and permission?
to heal me. My friends, if you have sexual hurt, God wants to bring healing to you. If you have a sexual history, God will, God will give you a fresh start tonight and say, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a fresh start, and we're going we're gonna to get started on this thing in a really healthy way. If you've been hurt by relationships in the past, before you move into another relationship, Ask yourself, have I given God time to heal me? Okay, how are we doing in here? Are we doing okay? Okay, usually we do this in two weeks, and I'm packing it into one, all right? So we're ready to move to the dating side of things. Is that okay? Are we still alive? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, I just lied. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so here are... Yeah, I want to give you five or four actions of godly dating, all right? So you've assessed and you said, okay, I understand Jesus' love for me. I'm, my self-worth is in Jesus, not in the person that I'm dating, right? You've answered those questions. I've, I've given God time to heal me of my past. I've surrendered my sexuality to Jesus, and I'm looking for a healthy person in a healthy place. I've done those things. All right, now... I, I, like, I'm, 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 like, really thinking this person in Chi Alpha is super rad, all right? That's what the kids are saying, right? That's what they're saying these days. Super rad. That guy's really rad, all right? <laughs> don't say it. Guys, don't say that. You'll never get a girlfriend, all right? All right. All right. <laughs> I just think you're really rad. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay, yeah. So, like, you're starting to like this person, and uh, and you're pretty sure they know your name, but you're not sure, right? Because you've tried to talk to them six times, and you wet your pants five of those times, <laughs> right? And uh, and so you're like, man, I just gotta like, gotta, gotta, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. All right. <laughs> If you only knew all of my stories about pep talks that I've had to give guys, right? <laughs> you got this, right? Anyways, girls, take it easy on the guys, all right? Some of you are like, the girls have it so tough, you know? It's like, no, like the guys, I mean, <laughs> the guys are just like nervous little puppy dogs, right? <laughs> just walking around like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, all right? So anyways... Just consider it a thing of affection when, when, you know, when a guy comes to you and, like, he says, you know, would you like to go get coffee sometime? And it comes out, coffee. <laughs> right? Like, just take it as in a, like a term of endearment, all right? All right. <laughs> Anyways, I've been there before, all right? I've been there before. All right, so four actions of godly dating. The first action is to communicate, all right? Communicate. So really, when it comes to dating, we should always be thinking about how can I put the other person's needs above my own, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not self-seeking, meaning I'm constantly thinking about, okay, this other person, and how can I make sure that their needs are above my own? Well, one of the ways that we do that is that we clearly communicate. Uh, Brianna said this last week, uh, a quote from Brene Brown, that, that clear is kind. Clearness, when, we're, when we have clarity in our communication, uh, that's a way of, of showing love and respect to somebody. The reality is, is that everything we do communicates something. Everything we say, uh, everything that we text, when we text, how often we text, what hours of the day we text, communicate something. And if we are starting to get, uh, you know, involved, maybe we've like been on, uh, we've hung out a few times, right? Uh, we should always make sure that we are on the same page in terms of a relationship with somebody. In Chi Alpha, we call this defining the relationship, right? DTR, as we say, all right? Now, don't go to somebody and be like, I think we need a DTR, all right? 
That's weird, all right? It makes it sound like a business transaction. Nobody likes that, all right? So don't, like, use that terminology, all right? But, guys, if you knew how many ladies have come to me and said, Steve, can you please have a conversation with him about defining where things are at? Because the guy's just kind of sitting there, and he's like, well, you know, just like, you know, just like keeping it chill. And, uh... and it's like, no, you either are afraid of commitment or you're just afraid of just, like, of rejection or you are just afraid, <laughs> right? Like, one of the three is going on, right? Fear is preventing you from actually communicating your intentions, so don't leave them wondering. Now, it's okay to say, hey, I've just, it's been really great getting to know you. I want to continue to get to know you. I think this is really great to just continue to become better friends right now. Uh, and that's, so, that's totally fine, but communicate that. It's like, hey, I, I, it's been really awesome getting to know you better. It's been awesome becoming better friends. I just want you to know that, like, I'm not doing this with other people. And I was wondering if you're, you are doing this with other people, right? It's like, no, I'm not doing this with other people, right? It's like, okay, we've defined the relationship, right? Maybe we haven't put a label on it yet, but I've let you know that, like, I'm intentionally pursuing you. And now she knows or he knows where things are at. Girls, it's okay to ask. It's okay to kick them in the butt a little bit, all right? And this is, this is specific. This, is, this is goes both ways, but it's more specific to the guys. Ladies, if he's not willing to define where things are at, it's a red flag, all right? It's a red flag. Be brave. Be clear. All right? And, and girls, now this goes for the girls, all right? So guys, be clear. Define things. Girls, if you don't like the guy, all right? Just say no to the date. Please don't check your calendar, all right? We all know what that means, all right? It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, hey, you want to, yeah, I was wondering if you'd like to go get dinner sometime. We all know that if you actually liked us, you would say yes, all right? And it wouldn't matter what was going on. When you say, oh, yeah, let me check my schedule and get back to you, all right? We all know what that means, right? Like, don't, like, don't do that to us. It's just rip the Band-Aid off, all right? It's okay. Just rip it off once. Don't rip it off one hair at a time, all right? <laughs> Nobody likes that, all right? But I also say this. Even, even if you're like, oh, I've never really considered you, it's okay to give the guy a chance, right? Like, that's okay. <laughs> yes, it is, Megan. It's okay. All right. Now, if there's no chance, like if he's got no chance, don't give him false hope, right? Okay. Just say no. Don't check the calendar. All right. I'll know what that means. All right. Another action of godly dating is to protect, knowing that feelings are fickle. Don't be planning your wedding after date one. Don't be learning how to sign your name with their last name after date one. Emotions can get ahead of actions and commitment. We can start to like somebody and we can start to date them in our mind before we ever ask them out. And it's an imagination ship. Thank you, right? And we get involved in an imagination ship, and we get into this imagination ship, and then we finally work up the courage to ask them out, and they say no. And they don't know this, but they've literally dumped you in your imagination ship. <laughs> and now you're devastated, right? Or you go on a date with them, and they're totally wrong for you. You have no business being together, but in your imagination ship, you got all the business being together. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, this person is right for me. And all your friends are like scratching their heads. They're like, yeah, what are you? It's like oil and water here, right? You're like, no. You have any idea how long this imagination ship has been going on? 
You don't, you don't know her like I know her, all right? If you, really, if you really knew him, he's a nice guy. Which leads me to the, the other part of protecting. Have editors. Have editors in your life. We all struggle with hormone blindness at times, all right? And editors can help us with this. Proverbs 12, 15, the, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Have editors, have friends in your life that can come to you and say, hey, drop them like a bad habit, right? <laughs> this is bad. Make sense? Okay. We all need editors in our lives. And give people permission to do that. Like now, but while you're single, be like, hey, if I ever date a loser, you have permission to come and slap me upside the head, right? Someone should, you, everybody should have given someone slap upside the head permission in your life. All right, perfect. Okay, cool. And if somebody grants you slap upside the head permission, don't abuse it, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> the next one is pace. I know we're going late tonight, but I hope we're having fun. We're having fun? Having fun? Okay. The next one is pace, meaning, okay, so, uh, or okay, this is, this is so important. This is so important. Everything's important, but this is very important, all right? So if you haven't been paying attention, pay attention to this, all right? Every relationship has what we call a breaking point. A breaking point is... A point in the relationship in which the level of commitment will lead to a desired level of connectivity that sometimes becomes a little bit too much to handle. Does that make sense? That means you really want to have sex with the person. All right? I'll just be straightforward. All right? Now, if you're trying to honor Jesus and you know what Jesus says, and Jesus says, wait till marriage to have sex, and you're like... Oh, okay, so over here's the breaking point. This is our relationship journey, all right? And here's the breaking point in which we realize that our level of connectivity is so much, and our level of commitment is so much, that there's a sexual tension that's building between us, all right? And when we reach the breaking point, one of three things is going to happen. Either A, we should get married, which is hopefully where you're at. But if you're at a position, if you reach the breaking point, and you're at a life position in which you're not ready to be married yet because financially you're not ready or character-wise you're not ready or your parents said you can't get married until you're done with school uh, or whatever it might be, and you hit the breaking point too early, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to slip up sexually and do something that you had committed to Jesus that you weren't going to do, or you are going to break up because... You're just going to start knocking heads a little bit too much. And if it's somebody that you really like and you think you want to spend the rest of your life with them, you want to hit the breaking point when you're ready to be married. And so when you start the relationship, if you know that the end goal is marriage and you are three years away from ever wanting to be married, you should probably take it slow. So often we start dating. We're like, oh, yeah, we probably don't want to be married for another three years. And then all of a sudden, we're spending six nights a week together, and we're getting physical, and we are on the fast track to the breaking point. You see, there are three gas pedals that accelerate you to the breaking point. One is time, the amount of time you spend together. And so pace it. Have a date night once a week, not six nights a week. I call it junk time. You just end up like, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's watch Netflix. Okay. Right? And then you don't actually get to know the person. Go on intentional dates. So time is one. Another one is emotions, meaning are you sharing the deepest, darkest secrets of your life? And then another one is physical. How physical are you getting? All of these things accelerate you towards the breaking point. Communicating boundaries and saying, this is what I think we should do, and ha being on the same page is something that's very important. And so talking through that stuff with that person. This goes for both people. If the person you are dating is constantly pushing you to accelerate things faster than what makes you comfortable, 
They are in the relationship for selfish reasons. You do not want to marry a selfish person. So it's probably evidence that that might not be the person for you. Make sense? If that young man has not shown that he has self-control now, what makes you think that he's going to have self-control in the future? If he's pursuing selfishness in sex now, he will pursue selfishness in sex later. Or she, right? Which, when we're married, either comes in the form of a not-so-fun sex life, to be honest, or in that person seeking sex somewhere else. If they can't say no now, they won't be able to say no later. It's that simple. Changing character doesn't come with a change in season. It's not like we just become married and it's like, I have self-control now, right? It's like, no. It's like, I walk down the aisle and I changed. No, they, no, they don't. They don't change. The aisle does not change people. All right. And then finally, <laughs> yeah, I better keep going. Finally, the last one is evaluate. Find out if you're compatible with this person. Most of you are just going to take a picture of these, and uh, but I have 13 questions that I would ask, uh, and I'm going to put them up. Take a picture of those and read those. Now listen, does this person have healthy same-gender friendships? If the person can't carry on healthy friendships, if everybody in their life, I want you guys to hear this, if everybody in their life has made them angry, well, so-and-so, they're just, they're just so mean because blah, blah, blah. And so-and-so, they're just mean because blah, blah, blah. And they're so-and-so, they're just mean. If everybody in their life has wronged them, it probably means that they're easily wronged. You don't want to marry somebody that's easily offended. Number two, am I proud and confident to be around this person in public? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question. Why same gender? Um, I think we find... There's, so, yeah, great question. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this quickly. So, uh, if they have a ton of really, really deep relationships with the opposite gender uh, and no close friendships with their same gender, that's going to create issues, right? Because on a Friday night, when that guy, when your husband wants to go hang out, when he just needs some friend time, right? Be like, what are you doing this Friday? Well, I was thinking about catching a movie. Oh, I'm going to go hang out with Sally, right? Like, can you imagine if I told Aaron that? Like, I'm going to go hang out with my friend Megan, right, on a Friday night. <laughs> Megan and I are going to go see a movie. It's like, what? Right? Aaron knows that Steve has healthy friendships with other dudes that he can talk about stuff and sort through stuff with, and they can pray with him. And, sh and there's some things that I have them carry that, that so Aaron doesn't have to carry everything, all the weighty stuff in Steve's life. Does that make sense? Sort of, kind of. If you have more questions, I'll talk to you afterwards. So it's not that, like, it's not that, like, other gendered friendships are a problem. It's just that they, they should have some healthy, same-gendered friendships. Um, yeah, okay. Great question. Uh, do I trust my credit rating to this person? How are their spending habits? That's an important one. Uh, would my feelings for this person change if their physical appearance was significantly altered? Uh, yeah. I, people gain weight. They get wrinkles. Their hair falls out. Um, their ears grow. I don't know. All right. Does this person treat their parents with respect? More than likely, the way that they treat their parents, which is one of their closest relationships, is the way that they're going to treat you. Do I want to spend the holidays with my potential future in-laws? <laughs> Do we have similar values and life plans, i.e. family priorities, politics, vacations, number of kids, careers, 
all that stuff. If I became disabled, would I trust this person to stay with me and take care of me? Will this parent, will this person make a good parent for our children? A little deeper question, if I died when our kids were young, would I trust this person to marry a good parent for our children? Am I willing to give up my independence for this person and for my future family? Do I think this is somebody who's willing to give up their independence for me and our future family? The person you're dating, well, whatever, we're not going to go there. Can this person be trusted to follow scriptural principles? I mean, is there compromise in their life? Do they have integrity? Do they have a prayer life? And then finally, number 13, and this is probably the most important question, is simply this. Does this person love Jesus more than they love me? Now, Some of you are like, Steve, that's the most unromantic thing I've ever heard. My favorite thing about my wife is that she loves Jesus more than she loves me. My favorite thing. It is Aaron's walk with Jesus and my walk with Jesus that brings stability and health, wholeness, and healing when needed to our relationship. It's Jesus' definition of love as our guideposts and as our center post that allows us to continue to stay, not just to continue to be married, but to stay married and stay madly in love with each other. And uh, Anna can come back up. Aaron and I have been married for nine years, and I can tell you with 100% confidence and 100% honesty that I love Aaron far more today than I did when I said I do nine years ago. Now, am I as, like, maybe giddy and immature about it? No, right? My definition of love, has it stayed the same? No, it's actually deepened. But I love Aaron more today than I did nine years ago. The only way, in my opinion, that that's possible is because my love of Jesus is deepened. The reality is, guys, is that life at times is going to walk up to you and is going to sucker punch you in the mouth. And you got to know whether or not the person that you're married to is going to be able to handle that sucker punch and say, no, 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 I know that I know that I know that I serve a God that is bigger than these circumstances, that's bigger than our financial struggles, that's bigger than the current thing that we're walking through, bigger than the fact that my spouse didn't treat me right today or he let me down today or she let me down today, she disappointed me today. I serve a God that's bigger than all of that stuff. And my self-worth isn't found in that individual, it's found in Jesus. And so the fact that they came up short today doesn't devastate me and derail me because I have a Jesus to run to. Does that make sense? That doesn't give us permission to be schlubs in marriage, but it does give us a heck of a lot more grace in marriage. When you stand on the altar on your wedding day, no one is thinking about the problems that are coming. Not a single person. All we're thinking about is that person in front of us and how beautiful they look and how this is one of the greatest days of my entire life. And then you get married and life hits you. And what's truly inside of you, and I'm not saying that marriage is like, oh, now I'm married, right? I'm not saying that. Marriage is full of joy, like full of joy. And it's awesome, highly recommended. But my friends, when things get tough, what's truly inside of us comes out. And this is why it's so important to find somebody who loves Jesus more than they love us. Um, Aaron and I usually teach this together. And uh, it is way more fun when she's right here. Aaron couldn't be here tonight uh, because of something that her and I have been walking through. 
like no easy way to say this, and so I'm just going to ask for your grace because I'm probably going to cry. Um, uh, Aaron and I have been uh, trying to start a family for almost five years. And it's uh, our battle with infertility has been probably the hardest thing either one of us have ever walked through. And um, about four weeks ago, we found out after four years and eight months of waiting, we got a positive pregnancy test. And uh, we went to the doctor and uh, Things were progressing, and we went the next week, and um, the doctors couldn't find a heartbeat. And uh, went back another week later, and they confirmed that uh, we were going to have a miscarriage. Four and a half years of waiting for an answered prayer. You finally get it. And then that devastating news came. And my friends, there's not a single word that you can say on your wedding day. There's not a single thing in somebody's vows that's going to prepare you for a moment like that. Aaron and I drove home from the doctor. We didn't really say much to each other. We were both in like stunned shock, honestly. We got home and she looked at me and she said, what do you want to do? And I just broke down crying. I said, I have she looked at me and she says, do you just want to sit and worship for a while? And we did. That's what we did. For the next two hours, we sat on a couch worshiping Jesus and then bawling our eyes out and then worshiping Jesus and then praying together, worshiping Jesus and then hugging each other. And I'll be honest with you, this doesn't make sense to either one of us. I can't sit here and explain why something like this would happen. But I can tell you this, is that I am very, very thankful that I married a woman whose faith is 100% unshakable. I'm very thankful that I married a woman who literally would turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to worship you even despite the most painful thing either one of us have ever had to walk through in our entire lives. And I share this with you not not to get pity or have you feel bad for us. In fact, if you do that, Aaron will punch you, okay? So don't do that. I share this with you to invite you in this space to pray. I share this with you to tell you that if you have pain in the most intimate areas of your life, that Jesus has healing and comfort for you in that. And I share this with you to give you something to aim for for your life. A spouse who literally loves Jesus more than she or he loves you. That's my desire for every single one of you. So we're going to pray, and if you need prayer for anything, our team is going to be in that area over there. We're going to worship as we close, and I know we went late tonight, like way late. Uh, But I want to give people an opportunity. If you need healing in any area that we talked about relationally, um, we want to pray with you. If you want a fresh start tonight, for that too. And I would ask that you guys would, uh, yeah, come alongside of Aaron and I and pray for us in this season because, uh, like I said, it's not been easy. So um, let's pray. Lord, we 
thank you for the gift that a godly spouse is to every single one of us. And Lord, I pray over every single individual in this room that you would gift to them with a godly spouse. And Lord, we believe that you have already answered that prayer. In fact, God, I believe that you've gone before them and have prepared somebody for them. But God, I just pray that every single person in this room would have the patience, the character built inside of them, the security and the understanding of love to be able to pursue a person who would love Jesus more than they love them. Lord, I pray that every single person in here would be happily married until death do them part because they have handled their decisions now in a way that is godly. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those who need healing over past hurt to relationships, we pray that they would get the prayer they need. For those who want a fresh start tonight or for anything else, Lord, I pray that they'd have the bravery to come ask for prayer tonight. And Lord, would you minister to us in these next few moments? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to come get prayer, you can come get prayer. But let's worship the Lord as we before we close.